What's going on, Emmaus? Oh, wow, y'all. What's going on, Emmaus? Hey. What's going on, Emmaus? So as Tina said, my name is Marcus. I am a pastor at New Philadelphia Church. I'm the campus pastor of our Itaewon campus. So we got a few Itaewon, got a few Itaewon heads here. We got any, anybody else from Itaewon? Okay, we got two. Okay, we'll take that. Um, and so, yeah, I am, I used to be an exchange student here at Yonsei. And so when I came here, actually, I was on my way walking here and I was like, dang, Yonsei's changed so much. Like, I don't know, because of all the construction and stuff, it looks like a bomb went off. Like, I was like walking through, I was like, where's, where's the chapel at? Like, I can't find anything. And so, but I have a lot of, Great memories here. I realized also when I was walking here that uh, it's been seven years since I was an exchange student. Yeah, I'm old. I'm a heck of old. But I don't look it, though, you know, because black people, we age well. You know what I'm saying? We shoot. Y'all don't know. Um, and, you know, for some of you who felt uncomfortable just now because I made a black joke, it's cool. You can laugh. Don't have to worry. I'm not going to talk to you afterwards. You know, Masande's not looking at you like him. <laughs> but yeah, I was an exchange student here at, Yun- at Yonsei for about six months. And when, when uh, Sarah gets up here and says, you know, have great expectations for what God can do during a semester here, I am the fruit of that. When I came, I was a Christian for about six months. I'll go into my story a bit more later. But God transformed my life here. Like it was not before. It was not after it was here and it happened in like it didn't even happen in six months time it happened literally over a month and a half like i was up in you know shinchon i was up in hongdae like you know uh evangelizing yeah 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 yeah. the gospel yeah i was there and um yeah if you ever get lost i can tell you how to get to where you need to go because i know shinchon and hongdae pretty well from my evangelism days And then I came here, I came out to a few large groups, and my life got completely transformed. And so by the time I left, I wanted to do international law. I felt like that's what I was supposed to be doing with my life. But by the time I left Korea, I knew that I was called into ministry. And since that time, God has taken me all around the world. I've been in war-torn areas of India. I've been in Myanmar, like hiding from the cops. Like we've been, we've done so many things. I've been in China with the underground church in the Philippines. I've been all over the world and God has really done such a huge thing in my life. I'm from North Carolina, born and raised. I'm from the mountains. When I went to high school, they called me mountain man because I had such a thick country accent. Like seriously, I was like, what's going on y'all? And instead of Wednesday, I said Wednesday. Come on. That's what I'm talking about, Susie. How's it going, girl? You know, and so God has taken me all around the world. God is good and he can do amazing things through your life. And so I want to tell you, have huge expectations. I don't care what you came in here thinking I struggle with and it's too hard for me. And what is this black guy talking about? I don't care. And God doesn't care because he's powerful enough to completely transform you. But that's not what I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk to you on the topic, the sermon that God has put on my heart, the message that God has put on my heart for you guys. If you're taking notes, I highly encourage it. If you've got your Bibles, you can go and get them out. What I want to talk to you tonight is the topic. Stop Facebook stalking Jesus. Turn to your neighbor right now. Tell them, stop Facebook stalking Jesus. 
turn to the person on the other side and say, hey, you, you need, point at them, you, you need to stop Facebook stalking Jesus. Oh, some of y'all think y'all too cool. Like, well, you, you need to stop Facebook stalking Jesus. Let me pray for us. Bow your heads. Father, I thank you for what you're going to do tonight. I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you that this place where we are gathered is your house. And God, you decide to dwell here with us. So, Lord, I pray for personal encounters with the living God tonight. God, I break off all fear. I break off all doubt. I break off every lie that would convince us that, God, that you don't want to talk to us or touch us. And I pray that you would show yourself tonight in Jesus name. Amen. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Matthew, the book of Matthew. It's the first book in the New Testament. If you've got a phone or iPad, scroll, scroll to Matthew 16. We're going to look at from verses 13 to 16. Matthew 16, verses 13 to 16. Matthew. Yeah, actually, we'll read all the way to 17. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, well, Jesus, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah and others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. That is a name, Bar-Jonah, Bar-Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. I'm going to read the passage again. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah and others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. This passage of scripture is one of the most famous passages of scripture because it's one of the clearest times where we see someone proclaim that Jesus is the Messiah and that he's the son of the living God. Now, I want to give you some context to this passage, right? Now, before this happens, what happens before this passage is that Jesus, he was born of the Virgin Mary, right? So we, we know all that about Jesus, right? There was this virgin named Mary. All of a sudden, she gets pregnant. That is a controversy because she's about to get married. And all of a sudden, you know, she has a child and it's Jesus. Jesus walks the earth. He gets he becomes 30 years old and the Holy Spirit comes upon him and he starts doing his public ministry. And now when Jesus was doing ministry, he had his 12 disciples, right? He had the 12 people who were on his team. I mean, can you imagine what it would have been like to be one of Jesus's disciples, one of the 12 Like you were a fisherman beforehand. Like how many of us like that was our dream? Like I really want to be a fisherman. Like you're here at Yonsei because you want to be a fisherman. Like nobody, right? But that's that's your job. Like you're a fisherman. That's the same thing as like, actually, I don't want to say that because I was about to say like McDonald's. Anybody worked at McDonald's? Anybody worked at McDonald's? Okay, you can keep your hands down. You don't have to raise it. 
Uh, but it's like a job where you're not telling everybody where you work. Like one time I used to work at, you ever saw Energizer batteries? You know Energizer batteries? Like they have this ad of the bunny and he just keeps beating the drum, keep going, keep going, keep going. And I used to work at that factory. And I used to work there from 12, I used to work there from 6, 12 hours. I used to work from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. When everyone asked me where I worked, I didn't, I, I didn't say nothing. I, I don't have a job because I didn't want to tell anyone where I worked. I mean, they, they were fishermen. All of a sudden, Jesus comes and says, hey, you, follow me. They drop everything. All right, Jesus, I'm rolling with you. They're rolling with Jesus, and Jesus is performing miracles. Can you imagine that? Like you're watching him, and he's got the five loaves and the two fish. And here, feed them. You know, and you're just watching it multiply. It's like, oh, snap, Jesus. Like, I would have loved to have been on his team. I would have been like that guy at the very end. Just like, hey, hey, I'm with Jesus. You know that guy? You see that? You see what just happened? That's my boy right there. You know, like I would have loved to have been one of his disciples. Like, can you imagine when the woman with the issue of blood, she goes through the crowd and she grabs hold of, of his garment. He's like, wait, hold on, hold on. Who touched me? And I'm like, snap, what's about to happen, Jesus? It was her. <laughs> all of a sudden, she gets healed right before. Like, you're seeing all these miracles. You're seeing him teach like he's doing the Sermon on the Mount. It's a far better sermon than this sermon. You know, he's standing up there, and he's like, Blessed are you, those who mourn, for you will be comforted. It's like, oh, snap, Jesus, that's good stuff. Like, you imagine being one of his 12 Walking with him, watching him do everything like I'm a big fan of college basketball and I'm a big fan of the NFL. Like I love sports. So but every time I watch sports, I love to watch the people who aren't playing in the field. I love to watch the people on the bench because the people on the bench have the best reactions. You ever notice that? Like whenever someone scores a touchdown, like you see the guys who scored and they're just like patting each other, but you see the guy who never plays holding the water bottle like, yes, 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 that would have been me. Like this is, this is the context. Jesus, actually right before this, Jesus just fed 12,000 people with five loaves and two fish. And so they're seeing all these miracles. They're seeing all these amazing things happen. And then Jesus brings them all together. And he says, hey, who do people say that I am? And they're like, well, some say Elijah. Some say Jeremiah. Some say Isaiah. You know, they start rapping to him. <laughs> and then Jesus asks them a question. And he says, but who do you say that I am? Now, a lot of times when I read the Bible and I read this passage, I skip over this because I'm thinking like, oh, OK, OK, I understand. Like he just wants to know if they know who he is. And I would have been like, you're, you're Jesus. Like you tell us your name all the time. But he wanted to know if everything that they had seen, everything that they had experienced, he wanted to know if all those things had caused them to see him differently. And we can't skip over the fact that he asked this question. Why? Because he asked this question because it's possible for you to be around Jesus, for you to see God do miraculous things. It's possible for you to be in the church, see and hear about Jesus, but not really know who he is. See, many of us, many of you have grown up in the church. You've heard about Jesus. You know that he came. He was born of a virgin. You celebrated at Christmas and you want your gifts. Easter, you know, it's not just about a bunny, right? You, 
You've been in Christian context. You've heard about Jesus. You've been to church. You're here at Emmaus. It's possible for you to do a lot of Christian things, even hear about Jesus, but not actually be a Christian. See, coming to Emmaus and thinking you're a Christian is like going to Burger King and thinking you're royalty. None of us, when we walk up into Burger King, is like, give me a Whopper. (laughs) Hurry up. You know, like none of us are doing that. None of us are walking in like, you know, you know, Pastor David, he's my roommate. You know, I don't walk up into Burger King with David behind me, like holding my, my bag and like holding my shirt like this, you know, like, David, get me three Cokes. And he's like, right now, sire, okay, you know. Yeah, because going to Burger King doesn't make you royalty. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. You can hear about Jesus. You can be around Jesus. You can even see Jesus do miracles and not have a relationship with him. You know, my story, I grew up, like I said, in North Carolina. I grew up in the mountains of North Carolina. I don't know how I ended up in one of the biggest cities in the world, but I grew up in the mountains and my family, we would go to church on Christmas and Easter holiday Christian. You know, Christmas comes around. My mom starts feeling guilty. Oh, snap. It's Christmas. It's got Christ in the name. We at least have to go to church today. (laughs) She grabs us as I'm playing with my toys. Like, come on. Like, you know, I don't even want to say the toys because then y'all going to judge me immediately. You're like, you played with that. You say Barbie? For real? Do I look like I play with Barbie? No one said no. Thank you. No, but, you know, my mom would always take us to church on Christmas and Easter or whenever she would feel like really guilty, she would bring us to church. And so I would hear about Jesus I knew that there was this guy named Jesus who lived 2000 years ago. I knew that he died for my sin. I knew that I knew all these things about him because I would hear these sermons and we would sing these weird songs. I was always wondering why everyone was pointed in the same direction, singing these songs, raising their hands. Where are their hands going? You know who are they waving to. But I did not have a personal relationship with him. And so over time, what began to happen, because if you if you know facts about someone, but you don't have a personal relationship with them over time, you think, you know, them and your heart grows dull is I begin to fill myself with other things. So after once I realized that church was just a place where people act like they know God, but God's not real. I don't really see him. I turned away completely. And so I became an atheist. I became an atheist for six years. I was an atheist for six years. And during that time, I was promiscuous. I'd go to parties all the time. I'd drink, I'd smoke, I'd do all that stuff. And those, that was my functional God because I needed those things to make me feel better about myself because I did not believe that a God existed. See, here's the thing. Whether or not you know Jesus, there is something that you proclaim to be God over your life. It's either Jesus or something else. And so I did all these things. And and the funny thing was, was that when people would come up to me and try to tell me about Jesus, when people would come up to me and talk to me about Christianity, you know what I'd say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know about that. Oh, do you know Jesus? That's like always how like the Christians would say to me, hi. I'm like, well, okay. first off, you never walk up to a person like, hi, I'm like, creeper, what's going on with you? 
Hi, do you know Jesus? Hi, do you know that he came and died for your sin? Yeah, yeah, I know about that. Yeah, I know that. I know that. What I did not realize at the time was that I was Facebook stalking Jesus. You know what I mean by Facebook stalking? It's like Facebook stalking. I'll define it for you. It's when you follow the highlights of someone's life and it convinces you that you have a relationship with them. But you really don't. You know, recently, a, a couple like about a month ago, I went to I went to L.A. and I went to San Francisco on a trip. Right. And so I went there and I had an awesome time. Like I was like I was there in Cali. Like the weather in Cali is like ridiculous. Like God loves Cali's weather, but he doesn't give them water. So it's like weird. So, so it's like I was there. The weather was awesome. Like I'm riding bikes on the Golden Gate Bridge. I'm eating like all oh, this awesome food. I'm like hanging out with all these people and I'm having a great time there. I'm relaxing because I'm on vacation. I'm not going to work. So it's even better. And but the whole time I didn't post many Facebook pictures. I didn't. But my friends there did. So they took pictures of me. They wrote statuses. They did all this stuff. And so then once my trip ended, I came back to Seoul. And when I came back to Seoul, I was expecting like all my closest friends to be like, yo, man, I'm so glad you're back. I'm so glad you're back. Yo, let's get coffee. Let's get dinner. I want to hear everything about your trip. I want to know everything that's going on with your life. I, I want to hear about the Golden Gate Bridge. I heard you were in San Francisco. Tell me everything. You know, I came back. Where is everybody? No one wanted to sit and talk with me about it. No one was like, let's get coffee. Let's get. No, no. I was like, hey, do you know I, I rode the Golden Gate Bridge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it on Instagram. Huh? Well, you know, like I, I, you know, I went here and I did this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I heard about it on Facebook. Hey, I had this awesome time with my brother. Oh, yeah, yeah. Brother. Yeah, yeah. I know all about that. Thanks. Cool. I'm like, what's what's going on? You know what it was? Everyone saw everything on Facebook, and so they immediately assumed that they knew everything about what happened. You know, sometimes I have people that come up to me, and, they, and they're like, you know, Pastor Marcus, I saw this, this, and this, and they assumed that they know everything about me because they looked at my Facebook page. You ever had that happen to you? Like where someone, like, they, they act like they know something about you. You're like, you don't know me. You just know my profile. <laughs> But the funny thing is that so many Christians live that way. We hear these highlights about Jesus and we convince ourselves we have a personal relationship with him. Oh, well, I know he did this. I know he did that. I was in church for this many years. I did this. I've seen this. And we think for some reason that that's actual relationship. When really, it's just Facebook stalking him. Jesus is up in heaven like you keep looking at my timeline. But you never have a real conversation with me. You know, psychologists say that our generation, the social media, the Twitter, the Instagram, the Facebook, they say that we are the absolute worst at having personal relationships. You know why? Because I, I, I would rather cacao you than actually talk to you. Like I've actually had moments in my life where like God's been weaning me off of social media because I was addicted, like seriously. And like. Was that bad? Um, where like my conversation with someone on Gchat or on Kakao would be more exciting than my conversation with them in person. 
talking to them online. I'm like, yeah, man, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Talk to them in person. I'm like, man, you're so much more boring than I thought. It happens like every day with David. <laughs> and it happens for many of you with Jesus. You're far more comfortable to talk with talking with someone on this like fragmented way than actually having a real conversation. So then the moment comes where you need to actually close your eyes, pray and connect with him. And it feels really awkward. Right. You sit there hearing the sermon thinking, I don't really want to be here. Why? Because you're so acclimated to the highlights of who Jesus is that you don't actually know him. You Facebook stalking Christ. See, Jesus asked his disciples this question because he was like, I don't want the miracles. I don't want the highlights. I don't want these bits and pieces of what you see to convince you that you actually know me. I need to know that those things aren't just informing you a certain paradigm, but you're actually getting to have a personal relationship with me. You can think you're connecting with Jesus when you may just be Facebook stalking him. But what I want you to know tonight is that God desires, Jesus desires for you to have real relationship with him. You know what real relationship with God looks like? It looks like transformation. It looks like every day you waking up and hearing his voice. Feeling his presence. First John 1, 1 to 3. I love what John writes. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. We proclaim concerning the word of life, talking about Jesus. This life appeared and we have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life. Our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. That word fellowship, you know, a better word to, way to define that is just relationship. He said that which we have seen, but not just enough to see Him, that which we have heard, because God wants you to also hear Him. Oh, but not just that, we have looked at, meaning that we have gotten kind of close. It's one thing to see somebody, yeah, I see you, but it's another thing to look at them, you know what I'm saying? Some of y'all just got freaked out. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then it's another thing to actually touch. Jesus, you ever thought about that? That Jesus wants you to actually touch him? For you to feel him? To feel the living God? That's what he wants. He doesn't just want you to think, oh, well, yeah, I know Christianity's good. My pastor told me I should come to Emmaus. My mom told me if I don't come to a mess, she's going to kill me. But for instead for you to say, I've encountered God. You know, what happened after I had did the life of drinking and smoking and sleeping around, doing all these things, I felt so empty. And one night, it was a Thursday night, I was working at student stores at, Uni at UNC, the University of North Carolina, where I was a student. Thursday night and I remember I left I left I was still an atheist I didn't know Jesus and I was just walking to the bus stop 
standing at the bus stop. It's raining. You know, I'm just chilling, thinking about what I'm probably going to do tonight. Where are we going? The club? Probably. And then I'm looking at the, the rain come down. And all of a sudden, I had this encounter with Christ. All of a sudden, I saw, I can't even explain it. It's hard for me to explain because God, he's really hard to explain. Um, but something in me broke. And everything that had happened to me up until that point, all of a sudden started to make sense. Now, to give you some context for my life up until that point, I was, first 15 years of my life, I lived in an abusive household. Then we left that abusive household. We stayed in a homeless shelter for two months. Then after that, I became an atheist. And that's when I started that life of debauchery. I'm standing there. Everything starts to make sense. I start to cry, and I can sense the presence of God, and I know that God is real. And some of you are thinking, maybe, well, maybe you just had a little emotional moment. No, no, no. Everyone at the bus stop was looking at me like. (laughs) And I'm sitting there crying. I go back. I tell all my friends, Christian or not, yo, 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 God is real. What? Yo, God is real. Some of them were like, oh, yeah, son, I'm Christian. Wait, what? We just went to the club last night. Yeah, I'll take you to church. (laughs) That was confusing. But you know, those friends, they didn't have a personal relationship with Christ. They thought that going to church made them a Christian. But what I was experiencing was a real relationship. You look at my life now, what what I've done them, now they're, they're so far from God. John 17, 3 says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Life, if you want to know life, if you want to be fully alive, you know how it happens. It doesn't happen by, I need to do as many, I need to get as many thrills as possible. You know, you can do all those thrills, and I did all those thrills, and at the end of the day, I did not feel alive. I felt dead. In order for me to feel alive, I had to encounter the one who was truly alive. It's Jesus. And I, and I knew him. I had a relationship with him. It changed everything. So who, who is this Jesus? I know I need to have a personal relationship with him. I know I need to connect with him. But who is this Jesus? You know, I had that moment at the bus stop and, and it Show me that God was real. But beyond that, I still needed to get to know him. You know, because first impressions are cool. But in order to have a relationship, it requires connection. It requires being in that person's presence. It requires getting to know their character. And you see, who is this Jesus? Peter says it. He says, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. The word Messiah here means that Jesus is savior. But that doesn't just encompass it because we've heard that many of you grew up in church you know that oh i know he's my savior what it means literally is that jesus is everything he is enough for you in every single situation of your life that no matter whether you're high or low no matter whether you feel alone or you feel completely satisfied jesus is enough it means that he is the one who satisfies the deepest longings of your heart 
those dreams that you have, that destiny that he's put over your life, there's only one thing and one person that can satisfy it, and it's Jesus. And when you walk in personal relationship with him, it doesn't matter what happens on the outside world because what happens on the inside of you changes. And when what happens on the inside of you changes, everything that happens on the outside looks different. See, for many of you, the reason you're here is because what's going on on the inside is started to be really hurt by everything that's happening on the outside. And you think if my outside changes, my inside will change. No, the truth is that when your inside changes with a revelation of who Jesus is in a relationship with him, your outside transforms. See, not only that, but you are the son of God. What does that mean? That means that Jesus is God. What does that mean that Jesus is God? That means that he is Lord and powerful over everything, over every circumstance, over every good thing, bad thing, whatever happens in your life. Jesus is still God. He's still in control. He has power. You know, on the missions field, I've seen God heal people. Blind eyes open. I've seen deaf people here. I've seen God do miraculous things. Even in my Christian walk, I've seen God do crazy things. I'll give you a quick testimony. I had two, I had, I didn't have a lot of credit card debt, but I had two grand. For me as a college student who was broke, I was like, that's a lot. Seriously, because that textbook place I was working at was not paying me much. It was paying me like five bucks an hour. Yeah, that was awful. And when I came to Korea, I prayed. I was praying one night. And I felt in prayer, God said, ask me to cancel your credit card debt. I said, wait, what? No, no, just pray right now. Just just say it. Just say, just ask me to cancel your credit card debt. Like I, my eyes were closed and I opened my eyes, literally. I was like, you know. All right. Lord, I pray that you would cancel my credit card debt. Why did God do that? It's because he didn't want to just force it on me. He wanted me to ask because he's a good father. And I asked him. I prayed with a simple prayer. I didn't. I wasn't like all night like, Lord, this credit card debt is chains on my back. Lord, cancel it. <laughs> Lord, this credit card debt, I'm broke. I'm never going to get those Jordans. I'm never going to get those shoes. I really want that watch. <laughs> Maybe deep inside I was saying that. But anyways, I just prayed a simple prayer. God. You know, I asked that you cancel my credit card debt. Okay. That next week was the craziest week of my life. I kid you not. Because the next day, the next day, I get a call from my mom. Now, so here's what I was doing. I was sending money home to my mother to pay my credit card bill. And so I was sending it home to my mom saying, expecting my mom to take the money and pay my credit card bill. But somehow there was miscommunication between me and my mom. I don't know what happened. My mom somehow thought that I was giving her money as a gift. And I said, mom, what are you doing? So she calls me and she's like, uh, babe, I think you need to um, do something about your credit card. Mom, I'm paying it every month. Aren't you paying it? Oh, <laughs> what, mom? Yeah, you need to call them immediately. I, I love you. Bye. I say, what's going on? Right? I call them. They're like, uh, sir, are you Marcus Corpeting? Y- y- yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, so you haven't paid your bill for the past six months. Your credit card is in danger of default. 
You messing with me, right? You messing with me. It's a good joke. It's not even my birthday. It's a good joke. No, sir, I'm very serious. Oh, okay. Uh, can I call you back? <laughs> I just screamed. That's how I dealt with stuff. Okay, um, but then out of nowhere, two days later, two friends, they messaged me out of nowhere. And one friend says, hey, hey, did, I remember a couple of months ago you said something about you had credit card debt conversation. Yeah. How much do you have? Uh, well, I've got about two grand. Um, I'll give you I'll give you fifteen hundred of it. What? No, no. Yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you now. What's your account information? Huh? I give him the account info. Now my credit card debt went from two grand to fifteen hundred. Oh snap! God, I can pay this. I can pay this. But God was like, "Hey, hey, shut up." <laughs> and so then a friend calls me from. He calls me from the states, and he's like, "Hey, man, I was just praying, and I felt like God wanted me to uh, give you some money. How much are you gonna give me? Five hundred." I heard God just say, gotcha. I was like, oh, snap. God was showing me in that moment he's Lord over all. There's been so many moments in my life where I thought that I should fail or I thought I should die or I thought that certain things should not go my way. And God, who is Lord over all because he is the son of God, showed me that he's there. Not only that, Jesus is the son of the living God. And it's important that you know that our God is not dead, but he's living. Meaning that he desires to connect with you, to talk with you, for you to feel his presence, for him to move in your life today. Not tomorrow, not when you get stuff in order, not when things in your life start to be better, but today. He desires to speak to you. He desires to talk to you. When I when God encountered me and he saved me, one of the deep desires of my heart was that I would travel the world. And I thought that that would happen by doing international law, going to the United Nations and and I travel the world that way. But God changed the plan. And then when he changed the plan, he began to speak to me and he said, Marcus, I'm going to take you to places that no one else would ever go. You're going to travel the world. You're going to see things that no one else has seen. He said, why? Because I'm God and you have a relationship, a personal relationship with me. So who is Jesus to you? Do you have a relationship with him? Do you want a relationship with him? Because if he's not your Messiah, if he's not your Lord, if he's not your everything, if he's not the one that you turn to, then you turn to something else. And if you Facebook stalk him, if you all you know is his timeline, but you don't have a relationship with him, then you'll turn to other things. But at the end of the day, those things won't make you alive. The only one and the only way is being in relationship with the one who is alive. You know, I know a few weeks ago, 
Tina preached on divine appointments. And that story of the Emmaus Road was a divine appointment. But you know what made their hearts come alive? Was the fact that they realized that that God who had, had risen from the grave was walking with them, talking with them, connecting with them. His presence was right there. He ate fish sandwiches with them. It's Jesus. See, he wants to captivate you. He wants to make you fully alive. He wants you to experience him every day. It's the most exciting life you could possibly live. And it comes from that relationship. Let's pray together right now.